At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Son of a Butch podcast. We come to you every Wednesday. This week's guest, Justin Parsons. Justin's been on the pod before, but we had to get him back on this week, uh, coming off the Open Championship that Brian Harmon won. JP is the coach of Brian Harmon. We shared a house last week, um, not far from Hoylake, and it was a very, very... It was a really special experience for me. Uh, JP and I, um, he's one of my closest friends and, um, you know, someone who I have tremendous amount of respect for. And uh, we just huddled in, we, we cooked, we ordered in food and uh, it, was, it was a really, really special week. And uh, to see Brian Harmon get it done and, and to see JP uh, be part of a major championship is um, it's pretty special. Um, and... I hired JP. I moved to Dubai in 2008 uh, and met him on a couple of trips. And just, I just, I just, he had something. And um, I sent him a message. I was pretty tough on him in the beginning uh, when I, he worked for, he worked for me for three years. And then when I left and moved to the US, he took over the running of the academy that we had at the Els Club. And um, I was pretty hard on him. And uh, there were some tough times at the beginning. Um, but I sent him a message on Sunday night that now he knows why I was so hard on him because I just knew that he he could do what he's done and and that has become one of the best golf instructors in the world. So uh, really excited uh, to get an opportunity to talk to him again and I think everybody's going to enjoy it. So sit back and enjoy listening to Justin Parsons. So Justin... Um, your first major championship uh, as a coach. Uh, what was it? Was it different than you thought it was going to be? And what's the last you know, 48 hours been like? Um, I think when you texted me and told me to walk around the room and keep breathing, I think I actually kind of helped because I think at one point I was sitting tense, not breathing, which isn't, you know, as you approach our tender years, it's not a good way to be. Blood pressure spiking. Um, so yeah, it was, it was nerve wracking, Claude. I, I, you know, I couldn't really relax until he got the ball into the middle of that 17th green. I think he was he's, he's in too good a space to hit to do anything silly down the last. Um, but that 17th hole, like you could nearly make anything there if you got, you know, if you got something wrong off the tee and got some bad lies. And, you know, you, you and I saw it. It was like out there. It was it was carnage waiting to happen. He's he's a very interesting player. Um, you know, he, he he does so many things well, but he's never been thought of as a superstar. But if you think about it, JP, from an amateur standpoint, up until Brian Harmon turned pro, he basically did everything that you would say would be the prototype to becoming a superstar um, on the PGA Tour and having you know, a Hall of Fame type career based off of what he did as a, as a junior golfer, as an amateur golfer. Well, you know, you you and your dad have always helped me with that. Like, you know, you, you want to tr- see what a player is really capable of. Who did he beat when he was fourteen? 
how many people was he beating when he was 18? How was he as an amateur? What was he like in college? And as you've just said, you know, Brian was an absolute superstar, um, you know, really all the way through those ranks. I think that, um, you know, as I've gotten to know him, his inquisitive, very fast acting mind has probably done him a slight disservice and he's he's had to work very hard and you probably listened um, with interest to a lot of his his press stuff you know about the process and staying in the process and things and it was the weird thing is you know uh, Scott Tway Country and I have been you know gently trying to quieten those the pre-show routines down a little bit you know adding structure to the warm-ups doing all of the things that that we know that are going to end up kind of calming the player down and and for whatever reason, at the Open Championship, he embraced all of it, and he made it. You know, like you and I talk about, he made it his idea, um, and he was able to execute. I mean, I've been lucky enough to be a, a part of major championships with players before, and I can never put my finger, JP, on what's different about them that week. But we spend so much time around these players. We, you know, we devote so much of our lives to them, and, and in a lot of ways, I always say. Tour players sometimes are like dogs. They communicate with you non-verbally. You can see when they're in good moods. They don't have to tell you. You can see when they're in bad moods. You can see when things are off. Was there anything different about Brian last week um, that's been different than times when he hasn't won a big tournament? Uh, there, there was definitely some sort of uh, psychological shift. There's no no question about that. You know, we'd we have done some things at the back end of last year to, to, to try and assist. And then Brian at the Renaissance Club started taking ice baths, which, um, you know, there's a lot of research and it's a very popular little thing. You know, you, you see people, uh, you know, all, all over from Joe Rogan to other other members of the, you know, the sort of the mainstream, now, you know, advising that that's a great thing for, you know, athletic recovery, getting yourself into the right headspace, being resilient. Um, and it was weird. I said to, again, I said to Country on, on Friday after he shot that low, low run, I said, you know, Brian's had a bit of an aura about him the last two weeks. And you know, we started discussing aura without getting too yogic. You know, he definitely started to, there was a very much more of a calmness uh, surrounding him that um, was different uh, the, the, to some of the things in the past. And we had, you know, really good conversations, a lot of humor, a renaissance and, and uh, lots of fun on the on the range, really, at, uh, at Liverpool too. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very hard thing to pinpoint. Um, I'm glad that you referenced her players as dogs, and I didn't. But um, <laughs> they uh, they are a you know they're an incredible they're an, they're incredible people at what they do. They they do things that we've always kind of in the game you know many of us wanted to do, and and they do it at a at a, an extremely high level under the greatest of pressure. And I'm sure I'm just like you that I'm kind of in in awe of them when they're able to deliver those big performances. You mentioned. Playing. I mean, you grew up wanting to be a player, Ricky. While we were flying home, I, uh, I got a ride home with Brooks from Liverpool, and Ricky Elliott, who caddies for Brooks, was on the plane. And we were, when you won, we were talking about it, and he said, "You know, Justin. You know, I've known. I mean, Ricky, you and Ricky have known each other pretty much your whole lives. You played junior golf together, and and you wanted to be a player. Um, did you ever envision when you were younger, growing up in Northern Ireland, and playing?" playing in these amateur tournaments and playing in the rain and, and all the things that you have to go through in Northern Ireland. Did you ever let your mind wander to one day coaching and coaching someone that, that wins the open championship and lifts a claret jug? No, I think that probably happened a bit later. I mean, I think though, you know, and I, I know it was, it was never massively part of your like 
professional story. You weren't you weren't in a position where you ever really wanted to do. And I think I think had I been you, I think if I was around the people and the players that you were around, it would it would have quickly occurred to me that I wasn't good enough to do it. Um, you know, you're you're growing up watching you know Greg Norman and Davis Love and people hit golf shots, and you're you know you're probably immediately aware that I can't do that. I mean, that's just so. I think we were a little bit in dream in dreamland um, before before the internet and all of the information that we have. But you know, certainly it's a. I wouldn't say it's a. You, I think when like you said, you, you join a very illustrious club. Brian Harmon has joined an illustrious club um, to be able to be a, a part of a team of 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 individuals who have assisted a player to win a major championship. I mean, there's not, there's not that many people like that around. So I can't say that it would have been a, a frontal kind of goal, but, um, you know, to see it happen, it just makes it, it makes it even more weird. You know, Brian sent me a text last night. They left Liverpool at 3 a.m. Monday morning. They got to Paris. I think he must have texted me from the plane in Paris. And he said, I'm afraid to go to sleep because I might wake up and it didn't happen. Oh, that's, I mean, that's amazing. Um, I mean, what a it, it is. I mean, when when we were texting, I was on the plane. We were somewhere over the Atlantic, and and you know, we were looking online. the 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 internet was kind of sporadic, and and Brooks was saying, you know, we were we were counting down the holes, and Brooks was saying, okay, if he gets through here, he's fine. And then once once he made that long putt at fourteen, I, I was looking online, and I said to Brooks, I said, he just hold it from forty feet on fourteen, and and Brooks said, well, it's game over now. He said because. He's got two par fives coming up. And even if something disastrous happens at 17, he built such a big lead. I think one of the impressive things, JP, um, he, he slept on a five-shot lead two nights in a row, which is very, very difficult to do. And we stayed together last week in the house and we were talking about it. And, you know, we were overdosing on curry and red wine for the week. But um you know, we, we talked about that and you kept asking me questions. I mean, I remember on Friday night you you were saying, you know, what's you know, what's what's gonna happen? Who are who's the threat? I said, listen, the big lead, it's it's tough, and it's a catch twenty-two of the big lead is great, but the big lead can go quickly and be over in two holes. And I think what was really impressive is he didn't get off to great starts either Saturday or Sunday. But as the rounds went on, he really seemed to calm down and and almost play his way into good golf. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I mean, I think the advice that you gave me on Friday night when, you know, Jeremy Elliott, who's, who was there all week with, with Brian, um, he, uh, he had texted me and said, you know, what am I going to do now with, with Brian until 3.30 on, on Saturday, which is a really late tea time. And you know, I'm thinking, should I look up museums, <laughs> go for a walk on the beach, you know, do, do two work? And you just said to me, you know, having having had experience of this, well, you've got to tell them that this is the way it is at, a, at the Open Championship. Jack Nicholas has done it. Tiger's done it. Louis's done it. The boys that, you know, they've had that tea time and they've had to, they've had to accept that this is part of part of what it is to be one of the few people who could even have claimed to ever get close to winning an Open Championship. And and, and whether or not Jeremy passed on that or whether or not that they embraced it, I'll find out you later. But I, I thought that was great advice because you have to embrace it. You have to look at it full in the face and say, right, I'm going to take this on. And I think he did take it on and, um, you know, and, and uh, the rest of its history. But I, I, I agree with you. He, you know, if anything, the brain was probably moving pretty quickly the first two or three holes. And as he got into his process and, uh, you know, as he got through it, you, you know, I, you and I talked a wee bit about the fact that, 
like he's his iron play has been something that we've we've been improving i think fairly steadily over two years and i think links golf really helps him because it makes him get on top of the golf ball and makes him drive the golf ball out a bit more and be a bit more aggressive with his strike um he, he's you know jack lumpkin um who was in my thoughts a lot over the weekend you know jack always said never let brian help the ball up in the air you know because he's, he's not the longest player he doesn't hit it way up into the sky and then mechanically, if he ever starts to try and help it up in the air, it really, you know, it, it puts him in a bad spot with his, you know, with his pivot and with, the, you know, where, where the golf club starts to get delivered from. And I think Link's golf really helps him. We saw him play well at St. Andrews. Um, and, you know, I, I, he quieted himself down. I think he had that strike on it and he was deep in his process and he showed the world what he can do. So I want to thank our partners at Rapsodo. If you've been listening since the beginning, you know I'm a massive fan of Rapsodo's mobile launch monitors. They're easy to use, extremely portable, and provide the same metrics competitors do for a fraction of the price. I've talked a lot about the MLM Pro, which I still love, and they've done it again with the recently released MLM 2 Pro. I've been using this launch monitor for a while now. I really, really like it. Here's what you're going to get two integrated cameras, and a Doppler radar, up to three different ways to view your swing, 30,000 courses to play in the MLM2 Pro app, as well as integration with third-party simulation software partners such as Awesome Golf and E6. Indoor and outdoor use, measured spin and spin access with the Callaway RPT ball. A sleeve is included with your purchase and it's only $699.99. The best part is they're giving Son of a Butch listeners an exclusive discount. You can use the code CH3 on rapsodo.com for $70 off your purchase of the MLM2 Pro, and they'll throw in a free dozen of the RPT balls to measure spin. You'll also get your first year of premium membership free. Again, that's code CH3 at rapsodo.com for $70 off the MLM2 Pro, a year of premium membership, and a dozen RPT golf balls. You talk about the process, and, and we talked about that at night, you know, in the house last week. Um, you know, I was asking you what you were trying to do. Tell us, JP, what the process that you and um, his caddy, Scott Tway, whose brother, is Bob Tway, who won a major championship. I think, you know, Scott, everybody calls him country on tour. I think Scott's a, a calming influence for Brian. Um, but what is what is the process? And and I know that, that you've talked a lot about one of the keys is alignment and having consistent alignment. And in 2023, um, there aren't any Instagram golfer, influencer people doing videos on alignment, right? <laughs> They're not... They're not doing any videos and on grip, posture, stance, alignment. But so much of what goes into great golf at the elite, elite level, I think people will be surprised that a lot of times it is the basic, basic fundamentals that you have to look after. And, and you talked a lot about the alignment. Talk me through what you've done with his alignment, what the tendencies were, and how you've helped him kind of create a consistent alignment yeah well i mean first and foremost it's like you know you and i talk about those tendencies i mean i've been out watching him at tournaments watching him on practice rounds and when he aims too far to the right 
um, and he ends up like underturning because he was, he's already a little restricted. He's got a very very square trail foot, if you can imagine. So he's a, he's already restricted, underturns, has a lot of lateral movement in his in his downswing. Club then gets a little bit underneath, and he has to kind of try and swing it out towards the target. So he loses all his kind of rotary pressure on the golf ball. I mean that's so that I could do all that on Instagram, and people would love that. But the fact is that that comes from him aiming too far to the right. So and, and and then and unless you fix the aim, you can work on the other stuff. And that's what I don't think a lot of people listening understand that the domino effect of what is the all the things that you talked about that everybody that's a golf nerd loves to hear, you know, lateral slide, club laying down, all of that. Those are all the effects. They're not the cause. They're not they're not the reason why he's hitting the bad shots. The bad shots come from the alignment gets off and then the domino effect of everything else, he has to do what he has to do. My dad is always, and I'm, you and I've, I've, I've said this to you a million times, you know, when we worked together back in the day in Dubai, you're never doing what you're doing in the golf swing because you want to. You're doing it because you have to do that. So the alignment, how did you get him to buy into being a consistent, you know, alignment? And there've been some great pictures on Instagram, um, you know, on social to where there's, a shaft for his foot line, and then there's a shaft kind of in between his feet for his ball position. Was that something that that you implemented and came up with? Yeah, I think we did. I mean, we had um, we've had ver- variations of that over the last couple of years. We've had the shaft on the ground, like you've described, a horizontal for the ball position, and another shaft just to the to the left of target, as it would be. And he's always having to because his his tendency would be to start it too far to the left. So as he starts it more to the right, then he starts to get a feel of getting on top of it and, and, and keeping good pressure on it. I, I would say that more recently, he's really doubled, doubled back onto that, right? I'm going to do that in every single session. And I see, you see, golf alignment, I think, is extremely difficult. I think you're, you're aiming at targets that are different um, distances in front of you. You're hitting golf shots with clubs that are different lengths. You're standing with different distances from the golf ball. Um, and the golf balls lying on the ground in front of you. So I think it's it's a constant training of the eyes. Um, the best players that I've certainly worked for, I, I would say, have a much more acute understanding and awareness and respect for alignment than the rest of us do. And I think part of Brian's part of Brian's structure, part of his journey, has been to understand that we had a really interesting little thing that happened um, last year, not this year, last year at Hilton Head. He was on that eighth hole. You'd probably know it. It's like a par four. There's a hazard on the right second shot. There's yeah. a tree. And he, he realized that he could kind of like close the face a little bit and stay aiming pretty square and then hit like what we'd call a pressure cut. Um, and he hit one shot. And that one shot resulted in him playing really, really good golf for about, I'm going to say, most of the summer of last year, end of the fall, because he finally understood that he didn't have to open up way to the to the right, in his case, to cut it. He could kind of stay pretty square and cover it and get on top of it. And, you know, we went, he went away from it a little bit, took a lot of time off over Christmas. And then gradually we feel like we've been piecing it all together. And then, you know, the process has been really good. He uses that DST, the bendy club, um, which helps people kind of do the same type of thing. He gets his alignment really well structured. He uses a, a smart ball between his arms from time to time just to soften that early set that he has in his takeaway. Um, and that makes him very kind of pivot driven, and you know he's got a really good engine when he gets it when he gets it going. And you know you could see like people think he's obviously he's not six foot five, but he's you know he's still in and around with a waterproof suit on, cruising about one hundred and sixty seven, one hundred and sixty eight miles an hour of ball speed, which 
you know, it's it's not what DJ can do and it's not what Rory can do, but, you know, he's hitting driver more often than a lot of other players. Um, and he's very comfortable doing that. And when you combine that with the putting performance he put in, um, he was un- unstoppable. 142 in driving distance going into the week. He's 5'6", weighs about 150 pounds. I, I, I read and I saw some things that mentioned the fact that he hits. So there are a lot of players, you know, DJ, Rory, the bombers, you know, the big, big bombers. They can't hit driver everywhere. They're hitting, th- you know, driving irons. They're hitting three woods. But I saw and noticed that he hits driver a lot. How do you feel like him hitting driver a lot plays into a strength for him? I think it plays into a great strength for him. And I think, you know, there are golf courses that we go to through the year where we almost know that Brian has a competitive advantage with that. Like the 17th hole of Travelers, he has a competitive advantage there because he aims it down that left rough, draws it 300-ish down the middle and hits a wedge. And a lot of guys are hitting four iron off that tee. Um, it does the same at Hilton Head, hits hits driver an awful lot more, um, hits driver down four at the at the Players' Championship in Sawgrass and, and hits a lob wedge in. A lot of guys are hitting hybrids or long irons off yeah. that tee. And- That's a big advantage if you can stand up on holes like that and hit driver where everybody else, because then if you miss, the other thing is if you, if he's hitting driver where everyone else is hitting, you know, three wood iron, if he hits the fairway and they miss the fairway with a four iron, now they're miles back and they're hitting it out of the rough. 100%. So there, there is a distinct competitive advantage there. I have not, um, I would say that he's been a, a really elite level driver of the golf ball for for a long, long time. You know, really since he went on tour, and you know, country lets him lets him go with the driver. And uh, the other thing I think with the speed, he's very he's very rarely like one rep max speed with his driver. He's extremely versatile. He tees a lot of them low, hits little squeezers, hits some little off speed ones, and he so he's he is positioning it because. You know, we, I know when we've worked here, you know, we I've seen him do 15 in a row at about 100, between 170, 172 ball speed. But then I'll sometimes look and he'll hit driver and it'll be a 158. But he's just probably teed it low and kind of squeezed it out there and got a little bit of run. And I, again, you know, he's, he's got an advantage from that. You mentioned the putting. He gained uh, almost 12 strokes in strokes gained putting, 58 out of 59 from 10 feet. He mentioned that he he found something in Scotland the week before, got a little training aid. What do you put down, I mean, the elite, elite putting that he put on display last week at Hoylake? Well, he, he is, like he said, I, I would say, I remember Phil Kenyon, you know, Phil works here and Phil had a look at him and, and you know, Phil and I were kind of comparing notes because Phil knows that I'm going to kind of keep assuming that kind of the overall, the, the, the head coach role is such. And, and Phil said, look, this guy's been in top 50 in putting for 11 years. So he's a really, really good putter. So we must be mindful of that. Like it's not, we're not going into, we're not going into this with someone who's really maybe not very good at it. And we need to make a real wholesale change. Um, but, in, but in looking at the mechanics of it, again, a tendency similar to the full swing aims a little too far to the right, um, tends to kind of hood the face on the way back backside of it a little bit on the way in and kind of pushes a few putts. So the little template that he got just encouraged um, the, the correct amount of rotation for his stroke. Um, when he gets that little bit of rotation and he, he has a beautiful release on it, his head doesn't back out of it at all and, and he really gets it rolling end over end. Um, I think the greens being those sort of flat greens, I think when you get as good a roll on it as he gets, 
um, I can imagine that you know you're kind of going just up against your alignment um, because he's hitting he's hitting the golf ball beautifully, and I think you could see a lot of his putts were hit what appeared to me to be fairly straight, and they held their line and they went in the center of the hole from various distances. And again, the 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 links courses like that, you know, a lot of them the the, the burrows are very subtle, um, and as long as your alignment and your your strike is really good, you got a chance. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. To me, one of the marks of a great putter is you never see a, a different putter in their bag. Um, he's got a, I mean, I think it was the first of the big kind of tailor-made putters. I mean, it's a massive putter. Um, it's a game improvement type putter, but he rolls shit out of it. And he doesn't, he never, I mean, does he mess around with putters? He doesn't strike me as, I mean, I've, I've, I've never seen him with another putter in the bag. He's classic. He sometimes he'll turn up with another putter, you know, and he'll putt with it for a bit. And I said, you're going to use this? He goes, no, I'm just making the other one jealous for a minute. <laughs> um, he mentioned that on Saturday, um, after I think two bogeys in a row, a spectator said to him as he was walking from tee to green or from the green to the next tee, made a comment that you don't have the stones for this. And he mentioned it in his press conference. And he said, with a smile on his face, that helped. Um, on tour, Brian has a reputation for being a killer, of being someone that isn't out there to make friends. He's not trying to be the most liked. And I think one of his big strengths is the fact that he's mean and he likes the fight. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, I think it probably stems from He'll never be in the tallest, biggest, you know, he's a very, he's an extremely accomplished athlete. If you speak to the, the trainers and stuff here that work, work with him, but you know, and people have always probably said, no, you're too small to do this. Or, you, you're not going to be able to quite do this. You're not the right frame. And you know, and he loves proving people wrong. And that guy, you know, that guy helped him an awful lot because as soon as, and, you know, again, country and I, like we've, we've tried to figure out some strategies sometimes without really annoying him, you know, cause you don't want to alienate a player, but how can we use that? I want to prove you wrong mentality in a, in a training system. You know, if I, you know, if we turn around to him and say, well, you can't do this, does he could construe that as well? These boys don't believe in me anymore. Um, but whether it's like a guy in the crowd like that, and he says, Harmon, you don't have the stones for this. And Brian's just thought, I'm going to show you who's got the stones for this. And, and I, and I think that was a, uh, you know, that was a lovely insight into, you know, some of the things that can create and assist some of these performances. Because I saw on the Golf Channel, David Duval had a similar thing happen to him at the Open Championship that he won. Um, somebody said, that, like somewhere through the back nine, don't worry, Duval, you've time to throw this away. And he went, oh, I'm definitely not going to throw this away now. So it's a, it's an interesting study in psychology, that. But he did, I mean, he's coming off of two bogeys. It's a flippant comment. The guy's probably been boozing all day. Um he obviously he doesn't know Brian at all. He's just a spectator, but he says something. But I thought it was like you said, a unique insight into the way he thinks because he said it really reset him. And that could go the other way too, right? I mean, you're you've just bogeyed two holes. You know, you're playing against 
you're obviously not the favorite. I mean, the two favorites last week, you know, Tommy Fleetwood, and then, you know, the favorite every week um, is Roy McIlroy. Um, and the press makes him the favorite every week, regardless of how he's playing. Um, but it was an interesting insight into, he said it, it, it gave him a little reset. I've heard other players say it's kind of a wake up call to where you go, oh, okay, now I need to focus in and really, really kind of stick to what I'm doing. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge turning point in, in a round that could have gone the other way. Yeah. And I think the word reset is, is a, is a cool way of looking at it because I think 10 years ago, Brian might've got angered by that, but he uses the word reset, which is almost like, okay, now I need to go back to the stuff that I'm doing really well and then proceed and that's how I'm going to show them that I'm going to be able to do this rather than like being really angry and being upset with it all. He just reset. And I think, um, I think if he's using it in that way, I think he's beginning to use some of the fuel uh, in, in the right way that he may have may or may not have used in the wrong way in the past. I mean, if you look at what this could do, I mean, even though he's in his mid thirties, but I mean, if you look at the caliber of players that were on that leaderboard, um, you know, we talked about it, like I said, you know, when we, uh, I think it was dinner uh, Friday night. You know, I said, listen, John Rahm's going to make a run, right? He, he's going to make a run. I mean, he's just that good of a player. He's going to get out early. He's going to make a run. Rory was making a run. Um, you had some elite, elite players. And what do you think this does for, for Brian's confidence? I mean, he goes to third in Ryder Cup. Six in the FedEx. He's top 10 in the world now in the world rankings, if, if you still believe in the world rankings. Um, but he is now, I mean, on top of having a major championship, which he'll be a major champion for the rest of his life, this puts him in, in a really, really interesting position for the remainder of the year. I mean, had he been talking, had you guys on the team been talking about Ryder Cup at all? Or, or is that just something that out of nowhere, he goes to third and he is going to be on the plane going to Rome for the U.S. team? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we would we would avoid those kind of outcome based, uh, expectational type of conversations with with Brian. It's he he's much better as many are better served and and continue to get into his process and do his work. Um, I think that I think he got so lost in it that all of those things, you know, if they did rear their, if you know, he talked a little bit about thoughts coming to him and he was able just to go and think about something else. Um, I, I, I'm thrilled for him. You know, he's played two Walker Cups. Um, like you say, he's had a, a, an unbelievable pedigree, and and that was one of the things that really surprised me. That every time he looked like maybe having a wobble, he was able to to resiliently move forwards. And and I was also quite um, surprised that you know nobody else was able to kind of get up to the ten, eleven under mark and and, and really get after him because you know, like you said, I mean, these are the these were the best players in the world. I thought Rory was playing for the most part, playing very, very well. I think John Ram's an unbelievable player. I was a, I was thrilled to see Tommy Fleetwood play so well in front of the galleries. And I was, although I obviously had a dog in the fight, I was disappointed that he wasn't able to do anything on Sunday. And I, and I, and I test some of the Tommy Fleetwood. One of the first things I saw when Brian was walking from the 18th to the to the scoring tent was Tommy putting his arm around him and, and congratulate him. And that's how good a how good a human being Tommy Fleetwood is. And. The first person that he sees when he gets to scoring is Zach Johnson. I mean, obviously, he's part of the whole Sea Island crew. Um, how important is that 
crew that that I mean you you're at Sea Island now, but Sea Island is one of those places very similar to to where I am down here in, in in Jupiter, to where there are a ton of players. There's a bunch of people that play on tour. It has a it it has a a history and a tradition of of having tour players. Talk to me about Sea Island and what do you feel like all those players being in that one area does not only for Brian, but for all of them? Well, I think one of the coolest things that, that they do is that they are friends. They they hang out and they're extremely competitive. And I, 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 frankly, I'd find that quite difficult. Like if that was me, you know, and they, they pull for one another whenever they see things like what Brian's doing, you know, coming to fruition. And they also, um, you know, they, they also are, inwardly wanting to win at all at all costs and i think it's a very very healthy thing you know i see Patton and harris and brian you know they'll play some practice rounds together and they'll have some fun together but at the same time you know once it once the gloves come off they they want to win and and you know they're doing a nice job here obviously the performance center is incredible um i think the the varied weather that we get down here is helpful for them um we got some really really good variants in our golf courses ocean forest Frederica and the, and the three courses here at uh, at Sea Island. So I, I think it's a you know it's a kind of a cool project to be a part of. I I, I go down to Florida a bit as you know to to see uh, Gracie and and, the, and those sorts of guys and and I, I get a sort of a similar feel sometimes at the Bears Club. I think there's you know there's some some cool stuff going on. Um, I don't know whether you guys all see one another as much as we would here with. You know, we, there's not that many, you know, restaurants and bits and pieces. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people that see one another socially here too. But, um, you know, it, it's pretty cool with with the Performance Center, Randy and Tom doing the, the fitness stuff, Phil coming in and out with his with his putting work. Um, you know, we've got a we've got a really good backbone here for for people to to get better when they're when they're at home. You know, JP, one of the things that that I love about you as a coach is that um you don't have a method. You don't have a theory. You don't have a swing that you're trying to teach everyone. Uh, you work with players of all different shapes and sizes that work, that hit the ball very, very different. Um, is that by design? Is that something that was important to you to to kind of see the player as, as, as an individual as opposed to saying, okay, I'm going to have my ideas and I'm going to put them on the players that come to work with me, well, you know, without without being dogmatic, I can't I can't really think that there is any other way to do it. I just I, I can't understand how we could ever treat two or five or eight individuals in the same way and expect to get the same results. So, you know, for for me, it's it's you know, I, I absolutely understand the question. I think it's a, an excellent question, but I don't I don't really understand how it could be done any other way because. All these people, like you know, and, and and you and I are in the same boat with that. They're all so different. They've learned different things. They've they've had different parents. They've grown up playing different sports. They see out of different eyes. They they're different. You know, they're left handed, right handed. Um, their their bodies are different. Their brains are different. So you know, for me, it's just it just doesn't make any sense to do it any other way than to sit down with each person as an individual. And you know, I think I, I would have learned an awful lot a lot of that through you know what your family do and, and how they've seen golf and, and and helped people to play better golf and they're you know i think it's your dad always said we're not you know we're, we're we're here to teach we're teach people to play golf we're not teaching golf to people so you know the human being always kind of comes first for me you made a big decision um you know you and i worked together i moved to dubai in 2008 um 
I think I hired you in the summer. Easily one of the smartest and best decisions that I ever made was was hiring you to be on my team. And um, I lived in Dubai for three years. You you ran our academy there. Um, you can get really comfortable in Dubai. It's a great place to live. It's an easy place to live. Um, the decision when I remember you called me and said there was an opportunity for you to go to Sea Island and you were a bit hesitant, you know, young kids, young family, you know, great lifestyle. Um, obviously, it worked out, but your know, changes are tough to make. Um, that process of, of saying, okay, I'm going to pick up my family and move from Dubai and move to America. Talk me through the, the process at South Georgia. I mean, I keep telling you, if you get a pickup truck and, 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 and wear the pinpoint belt and start hunting, um, you and I aren't going to be friends anymore. You know what I mean, but, um, but it must have been a big decision. I mean, I mean, I've done it. I mean, a lot of people um, have, but it's a daunting decision to move to another country and 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 hope it's all going to work out. Yeah, I mean, the guys that having done some research about Sea Island, they're, you know, it's a very very classy organization. They're not going to they're not going to entertain hiring someone without really wanting them to be a part of the kind of the family here. And they've been, you know, they've been absolutely unbelievable. I. I always thought of Dubai as really more of a young man or young woman's town. You know, I think it's it's a fabulous place to be. You know, Claude, it's fast, um, it's ever changing. Um, people move in and out of different different positions. So, so as a, a father of of two kids at that point, who were, you know, what's uh, Henry Molly was maybe seven or so, or six, and Henry was three or four. You know, something like that. I'm thinking to myself, like Dubai is it's it's a brilliant place, but it's also, it can be quite transient and things can move pretty fast. You know, the goalposts can shift a bit. So I think I saw some stability in, in pursuing something different. I was also traveling, as you know, I was helping Peter Uline, Louis Oosthuizen, and Charles Schwartzel at the time. And, you know, again, as a young, youngish father going from Dubai to, to LA and Dubai to Fort Lauderdale. And I remember pitching up at your house and, you know, at seven in the evening and fall asleep on your couch at about eight fifteen. You know, it was it's a it's a hard lifestyle like, trying to travel like that. Um, so it was becoming clear to me that I either em- embrace the, the the role of trying to teach some of the better players in the world, or or kind of stay put somewhere a little bit more. And um, you know, I felt like I, I still really wanted to do that, and I'm still very passionate about about doing that. And you know, Sea Island's given me the chance to kind of do a little a little bit of both. You know, be able to. You know, do some teaching here when I'm at home. You know, a pretty quick flight from Jacksonville to Atlanta or Brunswick to Atlanta to get to most of the um, the tour venues that we go to, and um, you know, a beautiful environment here for kids uh, to grow up in. You know, the islands, the islands, beautiful. They've got some some independence. They've got some good friends that they run around with, and they're in and out of swimming pools. And um, so, yeah, so far so good. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Obviously, there's a long list of major champions to come out of Northern Ireland, but you're you're now part of that fabric of major championships as well. Um, 
I think every country needs role models for young instructors. Um, and I think you may not have thought of this, but there'll be someone that's teaching on a driving range in, you know, Banger or, you know, somewhere where it's not great, where the weather's not good, where the ranges aren't good, um, that will see, you know, Justin Parsons, who's from Hollywood Golf Club, has is, is worked with a major champion. Do, have you let your mind think about, you know, what that means from, you know, a Northern Ireland standpoint? Um, and I don't know a, a little bit. I mean, I, I think, I think like, you know, you and I have talked about, it's, it's nice to, it's nice to consider that you could use some of the, the achievements that you've had and players have had to try to give a bit back. I think you get to, again, to our sort of stage where, you know, and I know you do some of this with, you know, with your broadcasting and things like that, but to give a bit back and to try and try and help some people along the way, it's, a, it's amazing. I mean, the, the amount of text messages and, whatsapps and stuff on instagram and things that that i've got it's it's really quite humbling to 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 consider that you're in that kind of group of people who are um who are thought of in that way so you know as, as i sort of process it and try and figure figure some stuff out i would like to try and arrange how to how to give a bit back with with people and and you know like i was very fortunate to get to become a part of your family and um be be trained and, and taught and and helped by you know the first family of of golf instruction i mean and um some of those boys and girls back there doing that won't maybe have that chance but maybe if i can give a wee bit back to them and help them on the way i, I would like to do that has my dad messaged you uh, multiple times yes <laughs> he was very he was very excited um you know he's been he's been amazing to me um you know his 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 approach with treating the human being he's like a chameleon as you've you've seen many more times than i have his ability to communicate with each and every individual in a slightly more nuanced and different way um you know belittles his uh you know his his rogue americanisms sometimes and he uh you know i, rem I remember seeing him teach um you know people who were kind of religious and, and good living and all of a sudden he'd be like a like a pastor or a preacher and then You'd have some of the boys who like to gamble and go to Vegas for other reasons, and all of a sudden he'd turn into the frat boy again. Um, <laughs> and I was always, uh, I was always in, you know, in, in great admiration for you know the, the guy who I think is probably the best that there's ever been at what we do. JP, you you left um, you left on Saturday. Um, you had a player who was had a five shot lead going into Saturday. You had a player that had a five shot lead going into Sunday. And you chose to go home. It was your daughter's eleventh birthday, and um, I was—I got to be honest with you—I was surprised you took off. Um, I, not because I think you could have affected the outcome, but because I've been lucky enough to be a part of players winning major championships before, and it is a very unique thing. But you said something that has really stuck with me. You said, "Listen, my daughter's eleven. Before she goes away to college." How many more birthdays am I going to be a part of? Um, and I think it's a testament to the type of person you are that you could have easily stayed and been standing on the 18th green and give Brian a big hug and and been a part of it and seen it up close. And but you chose to get on an airplane Saturday and 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 go home. Um, that was a strange one for me. I, I I want I as much as I wanted you to be there for Molly's birthday, selfishly from a professional standpoint i wanted you to be there to, to to be a part of it 
Well, I, you know, truthfully, I, I, I thought of, like, she's not quite at an age where she understands the gravity of what happened on Sunday from a professional perspective. But, you know, and at, at some point she will be at an age where she realizes that I came home. And that's, I mean, that's the balance, right? I mean, the balance in, in what we do is trying to balance, you know, the players, the travel, and then the work life. And I think, you know, out of all the, the people that are currently doing it, what we do, I, I think you do an amazing job at, at trying to balance all of it very well. Cause you know, I'm, I'm terrible at it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'll, you, <laughs> I'm not good at, I'm not good at the work-life balance. That's for sure. Well, and the, and the caveat in there, you know, and I'm, I, I've got to say this is we finished off that little putting session on Friday and I, and I gave Brian a high five and I said, I'm, and I held, and I held on to his hand and I said, I'm out of here tomorrow unless you need me. And he said, no, go home. You're, you're doing that birthday party, aren't you? I went, yeah. He said, no, I've got it from here. Don't worry about it. And had he said, JP, this is, this is a big week. I'd love you to stay and hang out. I'd, I'd be the first one on Delta to put that to Monday. But he did, you know, and I checked with him. And, and if he had needed me, I would have been there for him. And I'd have probably ended up having to buy Molly a horse or some, something like that. But, um, you know, and, and, and that's the, just the way that the way that I wanted it to be. So if, if, if he didn't need me, I'm sticking to plan A. Well, it was lonely in the house on Saturday night. Um, the curry and the, the red wine didn't taste as good. Um, but honestly, mate, I mean, you and I have, you're the brother I never had. And, uh, you know, I never had a brother. And, you know, I've learned an enormous amount from you. And you've been such a, a stabilizing and, and, positive person in, in my life. And, you know, I certainly wouldn't be where I am today without you and all your help. So I'm proud of you. And, um, well, I, I you know. think if, if, if we hadn't met, I think at some point, a situation in a Dubai uh, bank probably would have taken you into some sort of jail for a couple of years that I tried to calm. Uh, you know, for those of you who don't know the story, Claude was asked to sign, I think you were asked to sign 52 checks. Yeah, when you buy a car, when you buy a car in Dubai, you have to, you have to, you have to, you're making payments, and you have to sign a check for each one. They probably have, they probably have modernized that uh, since 2008 <laughs> or 2009. So forgive us for, but they they do, and they put it in a safety deposit box. So you got 52 checks from the bank. And I specifically asked, and you went with me when we when I was buying the car, and and I said, do I need more checks because I have to go to the bank to get more checks. And they said, no, 52. So we went to the bank, we got the 52 checks and we went back in, signed all 52 of them. And then they said, and now you need one more check for the total value of the car. So now we had to go back to Dubai. We had to go, go back to Emirates Mall. And Emirates, yeah, Emirates MBD, <laughs> isn't it? Emirates. Yep. And we, uh, and then, and I thought you were going to have a problem with um, Mr. Mohammed. What was it, Mohammed Sharif? I think his name might have been, or something like this. And well, when he told when he told me I wasn't signing my name, my signature, he said you're signing your name improperly, and um, <laughs> and you put your hand you put your hand on my shoulder and said, breathe, breathe, breathe. <laughs> I did for you what you did for me on Sunday, so we're kind of a, we're even there. But no, I, I appreciate all the all that and, uh, love and support, Claude. We've uh, we've had a good old we've had a good old run on it, and it's it's special for me to do this and have a have a talk with you. Well, um, I can't 
tell you how proud I am of you. I love you. And um, you are one of the best in the world at what you do. And uh, this certainly isn't going to be the last major you're going to be involved with. So thanks for coming back on and talking to us and um, enjoy it. You're going to see Brian when, hopefully? Brian's going to fly back on Friday. He went He went to Syracuse, which was the plan to to see his family. Um, you know, Kelly and the kids have been up there for, for a week or so. So um, I, I would imagine that he'll, uh, he'll probably need a little bit of rest, which he may or may not get with his three beautiful young children. Um, but he'll, he'll be back here Friday. I have no idea. I don't even know whether he's going to play Wyndham yet. Um, he'll, uh, you know, sure as hell doesn't need to. <laughs> he does not need to anymore. No, but, um, you know, you know what the, these guys are like, maybe that was on the schedule and there were, there were things going on, but you know, we're probably looking forward to the playoffs. The Ryder cup will be decided when it's decided. Um, but I, I, I do hope that he, uh, you know, he earns a place there and it'd be nice for him to, to maintain that sort of top six thing. He's third on the list with two events left. <laughs> he, he can't fall. Let's hope not. He is, go- he is going to be on the team in Rome. You don't have anything to worry about. Um, enjoy drinking out of the claret jug. Uh, I got to do it once with Ernie Els and uh, it's pretty special and uh, make sure you pour something in there that's good. You're the man. Thanks, CH. So that was Justin Parsons. And um, like I said, he's a hell of an instructor, but uh, he's a better person. I don't know that there are many instructors with a player trying to win their first major as a player and as a coach, having a player win their first major. Uh, Not a lot of people would fly home, but he flew home for his daughter's birthday And I think that says a hell of a lot about him as a human being. And he is one of the good ones. And I am so, so proud of him. Proud to call him a friend and and proud to watch all the work that he does. Uh, So the majors, 2023 in the books, John Rahm, Brooks Kepka, Wyndham Clark, and now Brian Harmon. And don't think a lot of people would have picked him, but early in the week, it just had, I've seen Brian Harmon play well before. He, He took the lead into Aaron Hills in 2017 when Brooks Kepka won uh, when I was working with Brooks in, in 2017. And I had a friend from the U.S. say, hey, give me a dark horse pick that nobody's looking at. And this was on Wednesday. I said, bet him, Brian Harmon. And he was like, what? I said, Brian Harmon. It's the perfect kind of golf course for him. And, and I mentioned in one of the practice rounds um, to Brooks that I was staying with JP that week. And I said, this is a good golf course for Brian Harmon. And BK said, yeah, I mean, it's perfect golf course for the type of golf that he plays. And it turned out to be true. So that's the 2023 major championships in the books. Two weeks left on the PGA Tour. Um, we got Ryder Cup coming up. Uh, Liv still has a bunch of events and then the fall series. So we'll see what this does for Brian Harmon and his career. Son of a Butch comes to you every Wednesday. We will see you all next week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.